This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Yo, this is Rashani from the Single Simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back, listening to Militantly Mixed. Hi, and welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine. And I'm really excited, as always, I'm really excited about my guest this week, and I can't wait for you to get a chance to listen to this episode. But this has been a kind of a heavy week, and I want to take a few minutes out of my intro to talk about that heaviness, even though it doesn't necessarily relate to mixed raceness. Um, and then we'll go into the more positive stuff and the, and the, um, the awesome interview that we have coming forward. This last week was pretty crazy. We, in, here in the United States, if you're listening from the United States, we, as you know, we confirmed a Supreme Court justice to the bench that is highly unqualified for the position. Maybe not in the legal sense in terms of knowledge and everything like that, although I, I can't say for sure I don't know enough about him outside of that. But in terms of temperament and, um, you know, him being a sexual assaulter, potentially a rapist, uh, this is not the best time. For those of you that listen who are not from the States, I'm sure you're probably well aware because everybody else in the world tends to be far more aware of America than Americans are of other countries, unfortunately. Um, we're not doing great out here, guys. <laughs> we we have an administration that is extremely problematic, a very anti-American, very anti-the people. And that administration is bringing forth their cohorts that are in on very dangerous positions. Uh, I'm I'm a liberal person. I'm I would say I'm pretty far on the liberal side, but I believe in moderates. I think that in our um, in our highest positions in the country, our Supreme Court, our presidency, our uh, etc., that these should be very moderately minded people because moderate would cover more of the population. You'd be taking care of more of the people. Uh, Of course, I would prefer a left lean just because the left does have a platform that considers the people more than the conservative side. But I, I do believe in moderates and what we in particular on our Supreme Court and what we do not have right now is moderates. Uh, not enough. We have a very dangerous new Supreme Court justice who is certainly a sexual assaulter from what we saw displayed last week, but possibly also a rapist from the other stories we haven't got a chance to to hear directly yet just just the uh, small bits of the accusations uh he also is uh very rash unable to keep his emotions in check these are dangerous positions to or dangerous behaviors to have on the bench and it's a bad time i am also if uh i don't know victim survivor i'm not sure what the best term is either way the words don't feel good Uh, of sexual assault i was raped as young as 12 i I have also been assaulted younger 
depending on how we view assault. I was raped again at 21. I, um, I've had countless amount of different sort of harassment, including in the workplace, assault in school, assault in my family. Um, so this week is extra traumatizing because not only do I have to listen to a woman with as, as moderate of emotion as she could convey her sexual assault experience with Justice Kavanaugh, I had to, I needed to, as an American citizen, I needed to listen to that. I needed to be a part of, I needed to hear, listen to the hearings and know what what the direction my country was going into. But as a a victim or a survivor, whatever you want to say, of sexual assault, it was very traumatizing to listen to her story. It was very traumatizing to listen to his rebuttal. It is very traumatizing for the constant stream in social media and and the new and regular media what uh, was happening in the world between Cosby and Kavanaugh and all of the other assaulters that are out there in the world in the public eye right now. It is re-traumatizing to those of us who have suffered these kinds of experiences. And so I want to take this time out to just briefly mention all of what I've said so far to say that for those of you like me who are sufferers or victims, however you want to call it, if you do not have people in your life that are helping you and supporting you through this time that are recognizing that hearing the stories of others could be very traumatizing or re-traumatizing and can bring up stuff that you're probably trying to tamp down on a regular basis like we all do, um, then I will offer that service to you. I, I feel that it is important to be a community in so many different ways. Obviously, as a mixed-race person, because I'm putting together a mixed-race podcast, um, I wanted that community. As a woman of color, I think that we aren't a part of the conversation of womanhood in America as much as we should be. And therefore, as a woman of color, I want to have a community. And... I mean, obviously, this is not something I would want to be a community about, but because I have this experience, I need to have that community as well of other victims or survivors who share this experience and can and can support each other in a way that only people who have had that experience can. So if you do not have that support system in your in your meat space life, then you can reach out to me in your cyberspace life and have an ear a person to listen to. Um, and it's not an empty suggestion or anything like that. You can reach out to me through all of the social media platforms that we have through Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, email, or our phone number at militantly mix on all platforms, email Charmaine at militantly mix S is in Sam H a R M is in Mary a N is in Nancy E and through our phone, um, our Skype phone number three, two, three, five four five six zero zero one um and even if you do have the support system but you kind of have something that you need to be anonymous i completely understand that that's that's sometimes uh, more helpful that's why i go to therapy because i need someone who's not in my life to know some of the things that i'm suffering from if you can't afford that out in the world but you still need it go ahead and reach out um, it only goes to me. I, I say we a lot, but I am militantly mixed and I am main hustle media. <laughs> it is just me at a desk in my living room. And if you need that support, I I will be here to offer that support. 
I know it's tough and we don't always have people when we need them. And through this podcast, I have met people that I, I am cultivating friendships with that I can tell will eventually be extremely meaningful friendships. Um, And we all go through things, whether it's through our mixed raceness or through our sexual identities or things that have happened to us in the past. And we need people. And so this is my form of activism. I'm not really a marcher or a uh, in-person protester. I feel like I would like to be, but it's just not really my comfort zone because of different anxieties and and whatnot, even perhaps laziness. Uh, But here's my activism. If you need a support system and you don't have it, call me, email me, tweet at me, whatever. Um, And I will try to be that support system to the best of my ability and um, and spread it around. I think that is I think that is the form of activism that I can do through my show or through me as a person. Um, it won't be recorded or anything like that. I won't, I won't do anything like that to you. Um, but I feel that I need to put that out there. It's, it's just been kind of weighing pretty heavily on me given our current comment. So, all right. Now, if I can get out of this mindset to try to get happy about the rest of the show, um, let's get into sort of the logistics of having militantly mixed. As you know, we are a fan-sponsored podcast, and through Patreon and through PayPal, you can um, donate to help us keep going and growing. Through PayPal, if you want to just hit us with a one-time donation, anything can be helpful. You can donate as low as a dollar to as high as anything you wish at paypal.me slash militantlymix. And on patreon.com slash militantlymix, you can sponsor us on a monthly basis. Again, as low as a dollar a month to as high as anything you wish. Although there are tiers, reward level tiers up to certain levels. I don't have high, high echelon um, donations because I, I don't anticipate that anytime soon or probably ever. But yeah, there's different reward levels starting at a dollar all the way up to, I think I had 25 or $50 is my highest um, buttons and mugs and t-shirts and things like that. That um, And more things will come down the pipe as we get more sponsorship. We'll be able to afford it more. You'll get access to early or exclusive content for just the Patreon sponsors. An example of that is the DNA episode from last week was... Um, available to our Patreon sponsors for about a month before I released it to the public. Uh, so there are some benefits there. They're not as, not, a, not as many as I would like to do right now, but um, as we get more sponsorship, I'll be able to afford to be able to do those extra content pieces, including incorporating video, which I know I've been threatening for a few weeks, but um, just trying to get it get it all sorted out. Um, there's a, a number of podcasts that I listen to that are jumping into the video side, and I've been really inspired by them. Shout out to Gerald from Bye Black Podcast. He's doing big things on his show and um, and on video and Facebook Live and stuff like that. So he's he's an inspiration and a great support system for, for Black Podcasts. So yeah, I, with the sponsorship, this kind of stuff will, will end up developing a little bit faster and you'll get that extra content. But it really does help. Uh, as of last week, we got uh, enough sponsorship to cover our hosting fees for our audio files for the podcast, which is allowing you to listen to the show as we speak, uh, which is a huge relief given my current financial situation that we I know that even if everything else falls apart, I know that we can at least pay for the hosting of the show each month. I, I don't lack any con- content. I have several interviews banked. I have weeks and weeks. I can, I'm, I'll, I'm well into probably 
January or February of 2019 worth of interviews that you haven't even got a chance to hear from, some dating back to June, uh, all the way to quite a few that I've done this month as well. So the content's not going anywhere. It's there for you guys. Uh, We just release once a week. That's the only problem. But for now, we're a once a week podcast. We have tons of content to give to you. We just need the sponsorship to keep us going. All right. So that's enough of that. I always feel weird having to do that, but you know, trying to turn my side hustle into my main hustle, folks. All right. um, Continue to follow us on social media and reach out to us. I love that I get as much contact as I do through um, social media for Militantly Mixed. It doesn't happen as much on the other show, Militantly Mixed, the Black as Fuck edition, Um, but I get a lot of interaction through Militantly Mixed, and I love it. Keep telling me your stories. If you want to come on the show, come on the show. We'll put your story out there. Don't think that your story is too small for the show because everything that you have to say about your experience will affect some it'll affect somebody out in the world trust me almost every episode i get somebody who sends me a tweet or an email that says that episode resonated with me because xyz so get at me and let me know how you're feeling about the show if there's a particular kind of content you want to hear that you haven't heard yet you hit me up with that as well if you have a story or know of a story hit me up as well on twitter instagram and facebook at militantly mixed Email Charmaine at militantlymix.com. Don't forget to spell my name right. S is in Sam, H A R, M as in Mary, A N as in Nancy, E at militantlymix.com. Or you can hit us up on our Skype phone number, 323-545-6001. Hit us with a voicemail and I'll get back to you if it's something that you want to contact directly with me. Um, Or you can drop a little promo for the show. You can say that you listen to Militantly Mix and what you like about it and I'll throw it on the show. Yeah, get at us. Let us know what's going on. I love the interaction. It keeps me it keeps me feeling like, oh, this we're on the right track with this and, and I really enjoy it. And I'm the one that reaches out to you. I'm the one. I know I say we a lot, like in the royal sense. I am a quarter British, so we but we is me. I am the I am Main Hustle Media. I am Militant Mix. I'm the one sitting in the a desk in my living room in my tiny little apartment in Los Angeles pulling this off. So all right. I think that's enough of all that stuff. I am excited about this guest. My guest this week is Sonia Smith-Kang of Mixed Up Clothing. This woman is what I like to call professionally mixed race, which is what I'm trying to do. She runs a business called Mixed Up Clothing, which creates clothing that mixes up, mixes and matches fabrics from places all over the world to styles uh, from cultures all over the world. So you might have a an Asian style top with a, a South American print or, you know, different varieties of things like that. And it, every every piece of clothing comes with a tag that explains the, the cultures behind the article of clothing. It is targeted towards mixed race children, but really it's there for anybody who wants to expose themselves to multiple cultures. She has a, a an idea of each one teach one for every person, every um, article of clothing that you get, you get the information behind the clothing so that you can teach one person at least about that um, that article of clothing and those cultures behind it. It's amazing. I am so inspired by Sonia and I was very lucky to get a chance to speak with her through the multiple mixed race social media accounts uh, at some point uh her team had uh, followed militantly mix and i i started you know stalking their page and then i reached out to them and asked if i could get a chance to speak to somebody but i am so glad that i got to talk to sonia when i got to talk to her because 
she was speaking to me at the time that I really needed somebody to talk about these types of things about like going out there and, and being um, act, like being an activist in your everyday life. She's created a, con- a company around her mixed race identity. She is also um, involved in MASK, which is an organization about multiracial Americans here in Southern California. She was a, a co-founder of the Mixed Heritage Day at Dodger Stadium here in Los Angeles. She is living her mixed ass life like nobody's business. And I am so glad she came on the show. And I don't want to run through her whole bio, even though I I guess I kind of did there. But it was a great discussion. Even getting back to listen to it for editing, I was like doubly inspired. And and I'm just, oh, gosh, I'm so grateful that I got a chance to speak to her. And I'm grateful that you as an audience will get to listen to her as well and, and be inspired by her. All I can say before we jump into the episode is get out there and live your mixed ass life or your moderational ass life, whatever that is. But but be in service to your culture, be in service to our people. It from just hearing her voice, you can tell how inspired by her own work she gets. She gets to be like it kind of reinforms and responsibilities or whatever you want to call it, that that passion to 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 do things in relation to our mixed raceness. So I hope you can hear the excitement in my voice. I hope you enjoyed the episode. This is a very long intro. I apologize for that, but it, it was important for me to talk about the the climate that we have here in the United States. But without further ado, let's get on with the show. Please welcome Sonia Smith-Kang of Mixed Up Clothing. And so I am joined by Sonia Smith-Kang of Mixed Up Clothing and Mixed Heritage Day, Multicultural Corner. We have a whole bunch to get into today. So thank you so much for joining me on Militantly Mixed. Why don't you uh, take a few minutes to just kind of describe yourself and let's get into it. Perfect. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited and uh, congratulations on your uh, new uh, podcast. I love it. Um, I... Um, love being mixed. I talk about it every day. I uh, tons of times a day. <laughs> I really just um, feel like this is, you know, everything that I've kind of been working on. We're at this place where um, we can talk about it as much as we do. Right. And and it started from a place that uh, was pretty lonely. I uh, identify as mixed. Uh, my father's African-American. Um, my mother is Mexican American. Um, I'm a proud military brat that was <laughs> born um, in Puerto Rico uh, when my parents were stationed there. And then our family was transferred to the island of Oahu. Um, so I spent part of my childhood um, on Oahu, Hawaii. And um, then we came to California and I was this curly haired, uh, dark skin. um, <laughs> 
um, girl in the San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles in a world that looked completely opposite. Uh, it was this beautiful blonde, feathered hair, blue eyes, uh, you know, and that just wasn't me. And um, my sister and I joke now that we would ride a school bus for an hour uh, from our home. Uh, this was part of the time where they um, had busing to get you know, kids to and fro school. And uh, by the time we got to school, our hair had shrunk to like <laughs> four inches and we just were not cute. We were not cute. And so I was constantly aware of how different I was, even at that young age. And then um, my mother put me in a middle school that was predominantly uh, Latino and I was my maiden name is Smith. So they were so confused <laughs> uh, looking at me like, huh, she looks like this and she sounds like this and her last name is Smith. So it was, you know, it was a trying time. And so fast forward, I go to school, go to college, um, and I'm studying to be a registered nurse. I get a job where I am um, pretty much the cultural nurse on the floor, and which meant that I just ate it up. I wanted mm -hmm. to know what people, uh, where they were from, um, you know, anything that would help them um, bring their culture, their religion religion, they're um, into helping them get better, whether that was providing a prayer rug um, or turning their bed toward Mecca. Um, any of that just fascinated me. And mm. I just loved it. And uh, then I, you know, I had my children. Um, let me back up. I got married <laughs> and um, my husband is Korean. Um, so I was just living this life that was not only in my workplace, uh, had, you know, uh, we talked about culture, uh, but my children, I was living this intent, intentional life where I was like, nothing in this house is going to be, you know, I needed to look like my children and right. look like our family. I made sure the artwork, the food we were eating, the music we had on, it was just this, um, oh, I, I mean, I'm sure I overdid it. I'm sure my kids are like enough, with the, <laughs> you know, but I was, I was like, no, you guys are going to have read books that look like you, characters that look That's like amazing. you. We're going to bring dolls in. And one of the things that I did was because I had been sewing since I was a kid uh, or at least knew how to sew from, uh, you know, this was at the time where they taught sewing in, in school. And so I was like, I'm going to make you guys some clothes that, you know, have uh, some fabric from, um, you know, that kind of come from our rich cultural heritage. Mm. And I'm going to turn them into fun little rompers and uh, uh, shorts and tops and dresses. And all of a sudden, people would stop me on the street and ask like, hey, where's that fabric from? And mm. where did you get that? And I was like, well, you know, I'm making it. And um, we would just stand there talking about what drew them to the clothes. Mm. So one, it was a conversation starter. Right. And two, it opened up this dialogue where they felt comfortable to share, you know, 
where they were from and what they were hoping to get out of, you know, our world. And, uh, you know, as Oprah said, I had my little aha moment and I was like, I'm going to start a business and I'm going to use the clothing as my vehicle to teach about culture and diversity and inclusion. Mm. And I um, took a leap of faith. I emptied out my 401k. I started um, taking business classes uh, at our local uh, small business association. Mm. And Mixed Up Clothing was born. And um, I haven't looked back. That's that's awesome. So first of all, I love everything that you said, because (laughs) that's just like the dream upbringing for a mixed race kid. Um, so your children, not only are they black and Mexican as you are, but you you're married to a Korean man. And so your kids are half Korean and quarter Mexican, quarter black. Is that right, right, right. So, I mean, already I'm on board because I'm also a fellow black mixed Asian. And, uh-huh. you know, it's there's not a whole lot of us. And we have an extreme amount of difficulty within our cultures. Uh, Koreans, Japanese, Chinese all seem to be very anti-mix in terms of the cultures themselves. Um, And so then we come here and we're this big old melting pot in America and and we mix up and to try to be able to like strongly identify with all of those those cultures and and still somehow try to piece together what you are and your identity. You know, you're all over the place when you're a kid Mm -hmm. and not not to mention that you go through your identity crisis when you're going through your preteens anyway. (laughs) Throw on there, hey, I don't look like other people. Just the idea that you set that up for your children so that their whole lives, they were surrounded by people and things that reflected them back to them. is just like, ugh, I'm mad jealous right now. (laughs) Right, right. Um, But I love that that also converted into a way to get it out to other people because I think that is the biggest part of sort of why I'm doing this as well is it's that like I was starved for it. I had a desert of mixedness and this is a way for me to, you know, build little oases so that I, you know, I can can rehydrate on my mixedness on a regular basis. So this is amazing. I'm so excited to to hear about this. Um, And the fact that you took that big old leap uh, and that you're a woman in business and everything. Just I'm I'm totally geeking out right now. Oh, thank you. (laughs) So so let's talk about some of those early moments when people were, um, you know, connecting to the clothing and asking you questions. What what was that doing to you? Yeah. So like you, I wanted to um, it's one thing to kind of stay insular in your mixedness with folks uh, that identify and they're like, yes, yes, I get it. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to take it outside and have folks kind of learn from your experience because, you know, it's it's preaching to the choir versus beyond the choir, which is mm-hmm. also my mission um, because I need my children are going to be out in the world with others. And so I want them to know that we are here. Right. Right. So that was what was cool about the clothing was that it was hitting this kind of way that was palatable to people. It wasn't like, oh, here, you know, this woman is trying to preach to me about diversity. It was in this way that was digestible for them. And like, ooh, because I think when we tell a story, we connect um, and folks start to see us, you know, like, okay. I see that. Mm. I can see that. And that's who I also want to reach out to. I want them to know, one, that we're here. We've been here. And two, that, 
you know, um, there are some similarities between us and that, um, you know, that's not it's not we're not the scary boogeyman that, uh, you know, that 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 might be in the back of their mind. So uh, so that's what I found with the clothes that once we started listening to one another and our stories and our 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 background and our culture, tradition, foods, it was, you know, there were some similarities even in, um, you know, there is something that I found learning from my husband that, you know, that traces back to uh, a Korean tradition that is very similar to the Latin tradition of Day of the Dead. And so we were able to connect the two and say, okay, I see that. And and then, you know, you start to break down some of the the challenges, the bridges, the you know, that that sometimes happen in between this fight for, you know, folks want to be on top. They you know, there's this mad scramble for, you know, this hierarchy that doesn't need to be there. Um, So anyway, the clothes, the clothes were this gentle way of just kind of talking about it and um, listening to one another. And I loved that. Yeah, that uh, that's interesting to, that that you would have a sort of a cultural similarity as as a way to to bridge that. Um, that's not really something that has come up on the show yet. Um, I just like I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised by the by the thought of that. Uh, one of the things that comes up a lot to me is just that um, that thing that another you get with another mixed person where you try to describe something and they'll say, yeah, I'm like that, too. Even if you come from different backgrounds, and you're like, see, we're actually not that different. We just, right. We just happen to kind of look a little bit different or, or whatever. Or we have a little bit more cultural diversity. But ultimately, we all suffer some of the same things that we all enjoy a lot of the same things. And, and so to be able to bridge a cultural gap with um with a with a holiday or something that's amazing right. yeah um what is that holiday called for the Korean? so I, i'm gonna mangle it but uh it's <laughs> and it's actually that my kids are celebrating it today uh it's chill chill yeah yes i'm gonna look that up look mm-hmm. that up and um so uh and it's it's great you know they so they are wearing their uh han box today which mm. are their cultural korean cultural um traditional um outfit that they wear so they are wearing that today and so again it goes back to this uh you know paying homage to the their ancestors and you know they they can leave you know, eat the foods and uh, fruits and food and uh, music of that time, which is also, again, with Day of the Dead uh, or Dia de los Muertos, what you do is you can have a uh, altar and have photos and again, have foods and uh, listen to music that draws from your ancestors. And so um, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful yeah. way to kind of celebrate and uh, share and, um, you know, continue the traditions for your children as well. So, um, you know, that's one of the things that I think is so great about this time is that we have access to learning about one another that um, that I think is important 
in um, in not only raising children, but in, you know, sharing what we have and what where we're from. I make um, I actually make sure that my children, um, I take books with with them, you know, maybe the first week of school when I'm introducing myself to the teachers. I make sure that the books that are not only in my personal library here at home. I have copies that I give to the classroom um, because, again, it's that reaching outside of your home and, you know, preaching to outside of the, you know, the uh, choir that we also need to kind of do our part. And I want the kids that they're in class with to have access to these books that they may not have otherwise so that they say, oh, there's books with uh, little brown children and they have curly hair and texture and uh, different body sizes. Look, you know, get yeah. out. And uh, representation <laughs> in all areas. Right. Uh, yes. And I, I think that's important. I think that, um, you know, to kind of do it for your home. I call it mm-hmm. culture, culture proofing our home because it's, <laughs> it, um, because, you know, kid, we, we child proof our home. We make sure that, and we even started elder proofing our home uh, to make sure, you know, to safeguard our elders and our children from harm. The same way we do with uh, culture proofing is we're protecting their identity from the outside world, you know, to that may cause harm. So I have, I, when I say I live an intentional life, I mean it. I make sure that, you know, I am trying to heal that 11, 12 year old girl who um, was needing this stuff yes. when she was younger. And, yeah. um, and so I try to do that every day. Yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, I've said several times on, on my show that like I created the podcast I needed to hear and just yeah. because it, it was this void in my in my life that I didn't have enough stories of other mixed race people or or I would stumble on a story that the focus wasn't that they were mi- mixed race or multicultural or anything like that you know you you find out later on War, president warren g harding was actually black or part black mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. know things like that and you're like well how how further would we have been if at that time he had been elected and we found out then you know would mm-hmm. it have been bad for him would would we have advanced civil rights earlier you know things like that right, so right. trying to piece together a history of other mixed race people just for my own you know education or feeling like i have a connection to that we didn't just start in the 70s, basically, you know, I mean, because in my case, I'm I'm born 10 years after um, Loving versus Virginia. Mm-hmm. And both of my parents were mixed race, but they were mixed race sort of sanctioned because they were also military. So I had a white grandfather bring a Japanese bride from Japan during the Korean War. And then I had a black grandfather that brought a British Caucasian bride to America during also the same time. Um, so they were like, mm. you know, it was this it was the 50s and the, the late 50s and the early 60s but they were like sanctioned because the military mm-hmm. was kind of giving a solid to mm-hmm. to their their troops or whatever but in other parts of the country this was illegal they, they mm-hmm. weren't allowed to exist and so I feel very affected by the fact that it's only legal for 10 years before I come around right and so right. by the time I become a teenager obviously people haven't fully it hasn't cycled through a full generation yet of people being accepting of interracial couples and inter, you know interracial children and things like that um, and once we get to 2018, we're still saying, why aren't there people that look like us on TV? <laughs> or, right. you know, like, why aren't there books um, that our kids can pick up that they can see? Or, I mean, I find myself crying 
crying when I see a video on Facebook because someone made a black doll that looks like a Barbie, mm-hmm, you know, and mm-hmm. you're just like this little girl is squealing because she has a doll that looks like her. And I was like, right. I wanted that, you know, yes. you, you find yourself doing that. So um, having that intention with your own children, I, I just um, I mean, like I said, I'm a little jealous, but I'm also like absolutely excited that that is happening for them. And, you know, they'll have different problems, but maybe one of those problems won't be the the racial identity crisis that a lot of us go through. So that's amazing. right. In terms right. of your clothing line, though, um, is it is it sort of physical patterns of the of the fabric or is it like you you'll maybe make a an Asian style um, outfit, but you'll maybe have an African style print? Like how how exactly are you telling a story through the clothes for the right. people who haven't heard of you yet? Yeah. So to just put it. So I source fabric from all over the world um, and then I turn them wet. So the mixed up clothing is about mixing and matching um, different fabric, different mm-hmm. styles. So for instance, I'm looking at my uh, collection right in front of me and there's one where I sourced fabric um, from my Kauai and it has, you know, palm trees on it and pineapples. And so it's just a, a flouncy kind of twirly skirt. Um, and what it does is uh, the hang tag has a story and it tells about, you know, Hawaii and um, the different oh, foods. Sweet. And um, so it gives a little lesson, if you will, on the uh, on the hang tag so that you you can learn while you're wearing and so that if anybody stop, stops you and says, hey, what is that, you know, fabric from or, you know, well, this is, uh, you know, from Hawaii and it has this and this was reflective of this. And so I want I want to continue like each one teach one. Um, mm. So so that's the clothes. And uh, again, it's just um, it's we could have a kimono style in the design, but it could be fabric sourced from Mexico. It can be, um, uh, let's see, I'm looking at a kente kind of cloth that is turned into um, a fun poncho mm. uh, that's reversible. Uh, so, I mean, there's different different things. I encourage folks to take a look at the website um, and, you know, uh, learn for themselves all the different things that we do at Mixed Up Clothing. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm super excited because I, uh, I've always wanted to find out um, where in Africa my my ancestors, you know, were st- uh-huh. stolen from. And uh, we recently did get our results. And um, so there was my journey to through DNA to kind of piece myself back to Africa, because before that, I never felt I could claim African-American because mm. so many generations, who knows, you know, um, I don't know if they filtered through the Caribbean and then came to the America. Right. You know, all that kind of stuff. Well, we finally we finally found out through DNA um, with uh, AfricanAncestry.com and our results were from Gabon, three different tribes wow. in Gabon, and um, and it, and uh, we got a, a hundred percent confidence. So, like, we know according to the other DNA samples that we have three tribes in Africa that our ancestors originate from. And I was like, if I could find some fabric from, you know, once I do some more ex- exploration and learning about the culture, if I found some fabric that was reminiscent of those tribes that my ancestors would come from, and then pair it with a kimono, right? Like, that would be something that would be really reflective of who I am and what I feel. And uh, to hear that you're already actually 
kind of doing something like that, yeah. um, you know, for, for this, like, oh, so it's not a weird thing that I just have this, right. <laughs> like, you know, and also wondering about appropriation and all that other kind of stuff. But really, for those of us that are mixed, how, how to uh, how to make us feel connected to one solid thing, that would be a way, you know, joining all of our, our different heritages into one item would be amazing. It is. Um, it is. And it's, um, you know, it is a... I, I do think that it's what you feel comfortable. Um, you know, growing up, my cousins danced in uh, something called ballet folklorico, which is a very traditional um, uh, Mexican form of dance. Mm. And it didn't feel um, I didn't feel comfortable on that end. And then, you know, growing up and, and going to college, you know, whether it was joining the Black Student Union or the uh or the other affinity groups, I didn't necessarily uh, find my place at that time. So, and I know that clothing and is such a big part of identity as is hair. And I, I, I do understand the idea of, you know, can I wear this? Mm. It, it, but it's, and it's something that, you know, I think we need to, uh, unpack as, as, uh, those that are mixed, really yeah. um, you know, because, you know, that it, it, it I mean, it's hard. It's hard. And it's something that needs to be discussed um, within ourselves. You know, how do you can you can can you wear this and feel like it fully reflects who you are? Or can I just combine a few things and make it mine? And I think that's where Mm -hmm. I'm at. And that's kind of what I lean at. And um, and so, yeah, no, there's um, there's there's a lot that happens, I think, with 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 clothing and and other things. And that's actually an area we haven't really talked about. Uh, We have talked a little bit with other people about, you know, how food was the thing that really majorly bonded them to different cultures because their families would be around and everything like that. And so they you know, they might not be able to live a mixed life out in the world. But at home, they got to be, you know, whatever if they if they didn't look like the culture they were celebrating they at least felt safe at home um so we've talked about that before we've talked about hair before but we really haven't talked about how clothing could make a person feel a little bit more safe or represented in um in terms of you know their presentation to the world i mean i know there's times that even i although i do identify more you know more as black and japanese than anything else if i'm wearing a shirt that looks you know too japanese i wonder oh are they gonna think i'm just one of these otakus which is like a a white fan of Japanese mm. culture or like an American fan of Japanese culture or you know if I wear like an Africa you know black and I'm proud type of t-shirt you know and then someone's like well you don't look black you know <laughs> you know you I get want, it you feel like I get you know, it what can I do to piece that together and and you're doing that's what you're doing you're doing and that. yeah that's what I'm doing and that's what you know um yeah it's it's I think clothing and is a huge part of our identity. And from as simple as I have printed T-shirts that say hello in different languages. Yeah. Um, I mean, having that in mainstream, an opportunity to have a T-shirt that says hola or, you know, um, shalom or whatever. That's the part that I think um, is my, you know, next step is to get into big retail. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, to go and to a target door and have a, you know, piece of clothing that, 
uh, I can buy and that, you know, that a big brand is saying, I see you. Yeah. Multicultural, uh, multiracial families and individuals. I see you. Um, Let us give something, you know, that that honors that um, in a genuine way. And and from a place of authenticity Mm -hmm. and a place that is, you know, so yes, it does. um, It will take some time because I know, you know, uh, that, you know, the fine line between appropriation and appreciation. And but that's, again, where they bring in uh, this diverse team. Right. Mm -hmm. They they take you know, they call me and they're like, hey, we need your help. We uh, we know that there's a need. How can you help? help us tell this story. And, and so those are the kind of things that I, 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 I feel is needs to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, how many times, I mean, how many times have you seen on television, uh, whether it's a commercial or, you know, ads that pop up? I think Old Navy just had a uh, an ad um, that has an uh, an interracial couple mm. with some mixed race children on their cover. And I was like, I don't care what this mix is. I see it. And, and you're excited. <laughs> and you're excited. I know. And we put it up everywhere. We shout them out. And it is just, I just, I think sometimes, you know, um, uh, you know, Fifth Avenue and all the, you know, the, the those that do the brands and um, or, you know, try to com- make commercials for us. They don't really necessarily get it. Right. And so I think that's they they get monoracial. Sure. Like they're figuring that out. Right. Yeah. But they're trying to figure out, like, do I need to do all the different mixes that there are possible, you know? Right. And so I think that's the piece where they still need work. They they there still needs some. They need the numbers. Um, for instance, Nielsen uh, does not have the numbers that back up, uh, you know, the mixed race population. I right. think that's why the census is so important, um, you know, to get some numbers because that's what that's what they need. They need yeah. to see our numbers. The unfortunate side of, of being in this early stage of people understanding mixedness or, or figuring out that we even exist is, you know, we're, we're still in the, well, pick one or pick the one you look the most like zone, you know, because that's something that at least monoracial people can kind of get behind. Like, all right, all right, you, you're you mixed. Okay, but you kind of look X, Y, Z, you know, we'll, why don't you just focus there and, you know, we'll get there. We'll get to you eventually. But getting a chat, but like you said, you see an ad for Old Navy. I mean, when the Cheerios ad from a couple years popped up, I was right. so excited. And I'm I'm not half black and half white. I'm, right. I'm different. But just to see mixed raceness, it's even gotten to the point that after 18 years, my husband is starting to identify, you know, interracial and mixed race families for me on the streets because it, it, it used to be like punch buggy for me where, right. like, oh, look at that little mixed girl or, oh, she's 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 such and such or they that. And he just, he's like, why, you know, why do you always notice it? And I'm like, because it's just it's what I think about. It's what I literally talk about every day of my life life. Right. And so now it, he it's filtered to him where he's just like, he knows that this is something that brings me joy seeing other mixed people in the world. That's and right. I don't care. Like I am in that zone right now where I don't care what your mix is. I care mm-hmm. that you're mixed and then I gravitate towards you and we'll, I'll learn about what your stuff is and talk about what my yes. stuff is. And between there, we'll find differences that are awesome and I want to know more about and similarities that are like, oh, you do this too? Thank goodness there's someone else in the world like right. us. You know, I think that that is, is really 
really what our sort of activism through our mixedness adds to the conversation. You know, it's the same uh, like I've I've said before about President Obama. I never refer to him as the first black president. I refer to him as the first African American president because he's literally African and mm-hmm. American, and so that that title makes sense to me. But I but you know when someone says the first black, I'm like don't forget, don't erase that he is actually mixed. And and while yes, whiteness is more prominent than anything else to erase his whiteness is to erase the person who actually raised him Mm -hmm, versus mm -hmm. the color of his skin who you know is you know from his father but doesn't necessarily reflect how he was raised Um, right and so i think that that's the the important part of our of our mixed race activism whether it's through food or podcasts or clothing or um, organizations you know things like that we that's what we're out here trying to do is get a seat at the table you know that's right part of the conversation so all these different organizations or businesses that you are a part of um i did want to talk about the mixed heritage day that you have is that exclusive here in la the the dodger stadium or is that something that is filtering out right so it started here in los angeles i'm co-founder uh of uh, mixed heritage day so again it's exactly what you did where you noticed that there was a need for a community and you were like, I'm not waiting for someone to build this. I'm going to go ahead and make a podcast and do and do it right. The same way with me, with the clothing. And it's, uh, you know, it's creating the space that you needed. Right. And so like I do that with mixed up clothing, I did that. uh, I co-founded the mixed heritage day and multi-culti corner with the same person, uh, Delia Douglas, which is uh, right now based in Los Angeles because that's where we are. And mm-hmm. the two groups uh, are kind of stem from one and, you know, they go from one another. We uh, introduce families to different cultures here. We're so lucky in Los Angeles to have all these different ethnic enclaves yeah. that um, we're able to introduce uh, families and children and individuals to all those different cultures. Um, again, it's to um, introduce them and to kind of take away the the you know for whatever reason that they haven't learned about another culture because that is step one is learning about one another mm-hmm. and the other part which is mixed heritage day is saying we need to get together uh, there was a time at Dodger Stadium where um, my family and I were there and it happened to be I think it was Filipino night and you know we were there and my son at the time he was like, is there a night for uh, kids that are mixed or families that are mixed? And I was like, mm. they're, they're going to be There's going to be. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and the next day, I don't even know if I waited the next day. I think I got on my phone and I was looking up, you know, different. How do I get in touch with the Dodgers and mm. figure out a way? You know, they had, um, you know, Japan night, Cuban heritage night. They had all these wonderful um, monoracial heritage nights, which is wonderful. Um, But again, it's asking the question, what about us? And everything that I do, I ask the question, what What about about us? us? What about our uh, mixed uh, folks? Or um, what about that community, which is one of the fastest growing populations? So you cannot sleep on our community. So I have my facts. I have my statistics. I got all my numbers. I put it together in this pretty little package. I sent it over to the Dodgers with the help again of Delia. And we 
were like, we need this day. And so last year was our second year. It grows each year. And um, we had, you know, some, um, the little guy from Blackish, uh, he threw out the first pitch for us. He's um, mixed. And we had. Uh, oh, the, so, the younger brother? Is? Yes, Miles is oh, his real name. I didn't realize that. I knew yeah. Yara was, but I didn't yes. realize that he was. Yeah, sick. yeah. He is uh, mixed. Um, and he's black and uh, Latin. And so we had him throw out the first pitch. And, um, you know, we had the support of Yasiel Puig. And uh, uh, the manager is also Japanese uh, black. That's uh, uh, Dave Roberts. He's the manager for the Dodgers. So, I mean, these are all this is all I put into my mm. um, my kit that I sent over to them. And I was like, look, you know, even on your team, you have an interracial marriage. You got, mm-hmm. um, you know, I have this guy and you got this guy who represents our community. But yet you do not have a um, you got Hello Kitty night. You know what I mean? Like I you, know. <laughs> <laughs> you can have, you know, you can have a space for us. And they did. They they were like, yes, we see it. Thank you. And um, so we are branching out. We are looking for um, other stadiums who want to do the same um, different sports. Uh, So we are looking at basketball next. We're looking at San Diego uh, for their uh, baseball team. Um, So it is just a gathering of folks um, that grow each year that says, you know, look at us. Here's a day of community. Um, And and it's beautiful. Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. And, it, and it's just really triggered from, see, look at that. I mean, you said it was triggered from your own child, right? So right. it's just clearly something even at that young of an age is absent and missing and playing into it or, just, you know, trying to fulfill those gaps early. I mean, imagine the impact or what kind of, you know, little mixed race powerhouses they're going to be when they get older. That, that's I, exciting. <laughs> yeah, no, that is my goal, right? I, I I truly believe in it. If you can see it, you can be it. And I think the same way your husband points out, you know, different um, mixed families or, you know, I do the same thing. I'm like, look, 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 you know, look at the, uh, even on the Golden State Warriors, uh, you know, they have um, different players of, you know, Stefan mm-hmm. uh, Curry and, you know, the whole thing. I'm like, look, yeah. Uh, and I think we they there needs to be more talk about that. Um, and there needs to be more, you know, representation and celebration and um, a, around that for 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 not just, you know, folks like you and I, but for the next uh, generations that are are coming up that are are waiting for us to put in that you know, we're doing the work for them. And I think that's what's really amazing. Um, and I and I do not like to hear people downplay the work that they're doing um, because it is really brave and courageous to start something that is new and different. Um, but in the bigger picture, there, there's a child that is waiting um, right. for to hear to hear it. And um, which, you know, is part of what I do in my 
I, 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 we all wear different hats and, you know, I put, put on my little fashionista hat and my community activist hat. And, um, and I also wear the hat of being a president of a 501c3 mm-hmm. here in Southern California called, um, mask or multiracial Americans of Southern California. Um, we have been around for almost 30 years and, um, it was started by two parents, uh, two moms who, again, um, found an affinity toward one another because of their shared experience. Mm-hmm. And th- this was pre-Facebook, pre, you know, all the social media stuff that we have. And they wanted a place for their children and to share and to talk about whether or not the mix was the same. It didn't matter. They just wanted to have a community that uh, talked about these things. So mm-hmm. here we are almost 30 years later, and I'm fortunate enough to be part of the um, the organization that was actually part responsible for getting that check the more than one box on the U.S. Mm. census. Um, and so we're really proud of that. I, I cannot believe it is it was, you know, it could have just been like yesterday that this was an option for us because prior to right. this time, as you know, we had to be checked one and even school forms haven't caught up to, you know, the the regulations that have been sent forth by, you know, our governing agencies right. that need. So I heard that org- recently and I was shocked because yeah. I uh, by the time I was in high school, they it was still check one box. I actually got in trouble for checking multiple boxes because ah, I was trying to be an do activist. It. And, do it. You got um, to. <laughs> but uh, I was listening to someone else's podcast, uh, another young mixed race podcast that's out. It's only a couple weeks old. And she said it She because she was probably 20 years younger than me. And she was saying, you know, I had to check. I had to decide. And I, I didn't want to ignore my family. And I was like, what? What year is this? <laughs> like, mm, you know, yes. uh, how is yes. it possible that that's still happening? Um, that's I didn't I didn't I didn't know who to credit for being able to check multiple boxes now. So that's uh, that's awesome that it was. Meant. Yes. Well, we were part of it. So, uh, you know, we were, were very excited to be part of the, you know, the all the folks that went to, you know, to testify and to get mm. all this, you know, done um, so that it could be better. But it's still, you know, there are still times when the, the forms do come back and you'll see them, whether it's in healthcare or um, education, any of these forms, whether online or otherwise paper, mm-hmm. they are still, you know, some my kids will come back and say, what do I put down? And I'm like, oh, no, we are adding a box adding or a box. we are, you know, so it is still and there. Stop with the other. I, I know right. I'm not saying it as right. often anymore as I used to, but I remember being like 25 or something going like, I'm not an other like I'm just a this is I'm just me. Like, I'm just yes. a black Japanese white person. Why do I right. have to say that I'm an other? Right. What would that even mean? <laughs> yes. And and that's and that's the work that we're trying to do. We're trying to educate as well as advocate. And we're activists, um, you know, trying to uh, change what what they may see as simple or is is really hurtful and harmful. Exactly. To those on the receiving receiving end of that. And um, if we could just, you know, continue to work together. And um, and I know that that's what Mask is doing uh, behind the scenes. 
scenes. And, and I'm proud to be part of that. And I'm proud to, you know, I love that you are, you know, militantly mixed. I love that because I, any day I will just be fighting and, um, for, for the change. And I'm happy to join you in this crusade of, uh, changing, (laughs) changing how, you know, the narrative. Yeah. Right. And that's really what it is. It boils down to is, um, there's things about mixedness that is absolutely positive. And there's things about the perception of mixedness that is absolutely negative that I hope that in my lifetime we do get to see, you know, shook off. Uh, you know, part of it is the idea that mixed race people are going to end racism because eventually we'll all be the same thing. And, you know, I don't think that that's going to happen. <laughs> I don't think it's really the, the burden of the mixed race person to end racism. But I do think that we, at the same time, have to be the ones that are out there probably with as loud of voices as possible to get people to pay attention to, to how um, intersectional people are. You know, even a monoracial person is a, you know, mixed upness of whatever their their things are. You know, you could be Anglo, but you're like 15 types of Anglo, you know, and mm-hmm. there, you know, everybody has some sort of sort sort of mix, whether or not they're aware of it or identify with it. Um, but it it is our jobs to, you know, put our faces and our bodies out there um, to get people to pay attention to our humanity and and not think of us as sort of like the delusional version of what may be an enemy. So uh, that's that's something that I think uh, hasn't really come up too much on the show yet, but hopefully it will eventually. The, the idea that, like, I'm not so black as to be dangerous, so I'm more acceptable, more palatable because I'm mixed. And I think that is something that actually does happen to mixed race people that is just as negative as you know, just outright um, mm-hmm. anti, mm-hmm. anti, you know, any group mm-hmm. or whatever. I, I did not know about uh, Mask until I connected with, with your team. So, um, mm-hmm. which makes me sad because I'm sitting here Googling stuff all the time. I don't know how I've managed to miss it, but um, <laughs> know, knowing that that exists and that it's out there, it makes me, you know, happy that it's 30 years old, that they are part of the reason why I don't have to check another box or make my own box, um, you know, contributing to that makes me really happy and I'll probably try to get myself involved once I get on the website here but since we are coming <laughs> near the end of the of, of our time together one question I really want to ask and uh, I got to give credit to another podcast because I'm totally stealing this idea and I told him I was going to steal it but um, there's a podcast out there called Wild Black and it's about um, you know just life in general living every aspect of life while black and one of the things that they do is ask people why they love being what they love about being black and um when I started to listen to their podcast, it hit me. I was like, you know what? We haven't done that yet on our show. We haven't. We get into some of the ugly things or the painful things. Sometimes we get into the positive things, too, because that could be somebody's experience. But, you know, there's a lot of times when you can't avoid sort of the, the negative things that happen to us because of our differences from this, the the mainstream. Um, so, I, uh, so far, I've only heard positive things coming from our discussion. Everything that you're out there doing for mixed race people and your activism um, is amazing. But specifically, what do you love about being mixed? Oh, I love that question. Um, I love that I have the opportunity to meet um, more folks that are I, I just have I, I have this ability to to just have a, a an 
I guess, the experience to talk with more folks. And I love that I can bond on more levels uh, with, you know, different cultures Mm. just based on the fact that I that lived experience of all, like I said, the African-American culture, the Mexican-American culture. I have, you know, the Afro-Caribbean in Puerto Rico and then the, um, you know, the Pacific Islander of being in Hawaii. I have all that. And now added to that, um, my husband and learning about his culture. But being mixed is this opening to more people that I um, that I I love learning about, and it just it made it easy for me to to meet new people. I'm I'm not as afraid of others as maybe you know my neighbor would be if they didn't have my same experience right. or same mixedness. So I get to um, uh, the opportunity to meet more more folks, and I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, that makes me feel all warm inside. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. Feels like you have all these strings that connect you to people all over the world, and all you have to do is tug on it so you can talk to that person a little bit. And that's 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 a beautiful part of being mixed. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show with me and talk about all the different aspects of your uh, business and your activism and everything. It, it, I, I feel really lucky to have connected with your team and everything to, to so that I get a chance to talk to you. Why don't we tell everybody how all the different ways they can find all the different things that you're doing? <laughs> to- <laughs> oh, boy. Yes. And um, I would love to. And thank you again for having me. And I uh, feel just honored uh, to be a guest. And I wish you continued success. Um, mixed, you can find Mixed Up Clothing at Mixed Up Clothing on all our social media channels. Um, um, and just you can find our website, www.mixedupclothing.com. Uh, Multiculti Corner is uh, uh, another one of, you know, I co-founded Mixed Heritage Day. All of that you could find on social media with that handle. And Mask is also uh, we put on panels that is, we have one coming up. It's through Color Conversation. It's talking to um, HAPA children's. So um, look for that. I encourage folks to go to www.masksite.org, M-A-S-C-S-I-T-E.org, or just Google us. Here to support. Ask me anything. Open book. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This has been amazing. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll get all of your your social media handles and websites and everything in our show notes. And hopefully everybody will keep in touch. Uh, I also noticed that you're on, um, you have Facebook groups and everything for all of those things. So that's right. And engage in the conversation that way as well. All right. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Johnson. Music is by David Bogan, The One. And if you like what you heard on Militantly Mix, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.